0: Hi, and welcome to Showcast. In this episode, I'm speaking with director Pod Blumen and notch designer Kyle Ressie at Blumen Associates HQ in North East London. Pod and Kyle have been working on the production of Emily Sandé's Real Life Tour, creating vibrant animated backdrops which can be controlled live from the lighting desk. I got the opportunity to see this feel-good pop and soul show at the Oxford New Theatre and speak to tour manager Kumar Kamalagaran of Fruit Pie Music and lighting designer Chris Richardson. Hear all about it here on The Notch Showcast. Uh, so just to note that as we're recording on location here at Bloomen's lovely offices, Um, The sound quality might be slightly different from usual, but I hope you enjoy the show. So Blumen Associates are a lean, mean, small team that offers full service production from concept and content creation through to production management. Um, Your projects stretch from content design for live shows like Emily Sandé, Uh which we will be diving into shortly mm-hmm. and into projection mapping and interactive installations that's correct i'd like to start out by going back there i say way back um mm-hmm. to your early career pod mm-hmm. in our office you are described as the granddaddy of projection mapping
1: wow <laughs> i'm not sure if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> i'll take it as one i am actually going to be a granddad soon so I guess it's quite apt. <laughs> and
0: uh, you were one of the early adopters of projection arts, creating guerrilla projection mapping productions all across London. Yeah. Um, tell me a bit about how you got into this.
1: Okay. Yeah, so I started doing visuals in nightclubs a long, long time ago um, and then really enjoyed the whole visuals thing, making, making visuals and projecting them. And I, I just kind of got into the... My art stroke science of projection. I just was fascinated by the whole medium of it. Um, And I, I got taught how to do large format projection and how to do mapping. I got taught by this guy called Gary Oldno how to take a picture of something and translate that into Photoshop. And then using a template, translate that onto a slide template for large format slide projection, which is basically the basis of what of what projection mapping is. So that enabled me to go out and do guerrilla projection mapping, which we did many, many years ago before the whole technique of projection mapping was kind of broadly understood. Um, And I just really, really enjoyed it, really got into it. I I think that the the combination of a little bit of science, a little bit of creativity, and then the disruption and guerrilla style projection really, really got to me. I really, really enjoyed it. And I just, car- I just carried on doing it, got known for doing it, made some relationships with, with some organisations like Greenpeace, started to ask me to do stuff. And it just just kind of built from that, really.
0: And then you, you started off as a freelancer and then you moved on to found Bloom and Associates mm-hmm. 11 years ago.
1: Well, well I, start, I started off as a freelancer doing... Uh, well, I started actually started with, a, ver- with a, a guy who I went to school with, a guy called Stuart Warren Hill, who now runs a company called um, Holotronic, but uh, he and he, um, Stuart was the inventor of this material called hollow gauze, which has now become very successful. So me and Stuart actually started doing visuals a long time ago, um, sitting in his bedroom with, um, with analog effects projectors and a packet of 10 B and H smoking cigarettes and blowing them into the beams of the projectors and making beams and just being fascinated by it. Me and Stuart would do working together for many years, working in nightclubs then Stuart went off, did more, more kind of content creation stuff, and I carried on doing production. And then um, I got a bit fed up with nightclubs. I got fed up with chasing promoters around smoky, smelly clubs at 2 in the morning trying to get my money out of them and moved, started to move more into corporate AV, um, got more into video, learned very quickly. And then um, about 15 years ago, I got a job for a big AV company and learned, learned, kind of learned how to project manage projects and after being there for about four years I decided that I didn't really want to work for anyone else anymore and decided to try my own thing. So I've been running Bloomin' Associates for 11 years now.
0: And Kyle I'd love to know a bit about your background and how you got into this crazy industry.
2: Oh well that started in college where I uh, originally worked in the theatre. When I graduated the I really wanted to carry on the industry. And through looking into it, I found Backstage Academy. And from there, kind of fell in with the video crowd there, learned about D3 from uh, our original lecture there, Shannon Harvey. The fact that we had so much D3 there just naturally led into Notch. And yeah, it's kind of the the summary of it. It was quite a quick gloss over for about seven years <laughs> Yeah, really just always been into events, always into creativity and this was just a natural thing from theatre to big events.
0: And uh, what led you to Bloom and Associates? How long have you guys been working together?
2: Uh, well, I started probably about nearly two years ago when I was freelancing, uh, when I got picked up on Facebook when these guys were doing some Notch work and I had just sort of started to get my footing on Notch and Lewis White put out posts, and I was like, hey, looking for anyone, uh, doesn't have to be an amazing experience, this is a great sort of opportunity, oh, this is perfect, and, uh, sent all my stuff over to him, and I was <laughs> really nervous, and then came back, and I, I got it, and I came down, and we did some work together, I got to work on some really cool stuff, like a, uh, it was a thing on the Graham Norton show, which was absolutely terrifying for me, because I was like, this is on TV now. Is the Dua Lipa anything. thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was an IMAG effect for, via uh, yeah, Calvin Harris and Dua Lipa. And, uh, yeah, I was absolutely terrified because the first thing I'd done was going to be on TV. And, yeah, and then from there it sort of just progressed. I think we found that we worked really well together.
0: Cool. And uh, as a designer, I guess, because you started out in theatre and um, you're doing production design in theatre studies.
2: Uh, lighting design. Lighting
0: design. Okay, so you kind of got a lighting design background, and then you having knowledge of both worlds can be really helpful in a in a live show environment.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh... I mean, what we're finding is that the convergence of lighting and video, in many ways, is is really really important. It's not just in terms of what happened on the Emily Sanday gig, which was we exposed parameters so that the lighting designer could operate and control the lighting. But more so in the whole arena of virtual lighting, for us that's the thing that's really exciting.
0: And so we've already kind of dived into Emily Sunday, um, but. Today we're going to
1: talk about... I thought we were just teasing, (laughs) tip tip, 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 around around the edges of it. Now we're going (laughs) hard
0: on Emily Sandé. Emily Sandé, 2019. Um, Her real live tour. Uh, For those who don't know Emily Sandé, she's a British solo artist raised in Scotland and she rose to fame in about 2009 and has had a string of collaborations with notable UK artists as well as solo success as a pop and soul singer. And she recently released a new album... Which is also called in real life, and has been on a consequential tour around Europe and the UK since the release. Um, how did you come into contact with Emily or well, Emily's team?
1: So I've got a very long standing relationship with Kumar, who's her production straight tour manager. So he, uh, he asked us um, in the spring we would be interested in working on both a showcase show which took place at Sadler's Wells in May and then the consequential tour which is what's nearly going on at the moment and nearly finished.
0: Um I actually got the opportunity to talk to Kumar at the gig mm-hmm. in the Oxford New Theatre so you know it was really fun going backstage and Kumar gave me a lot of insight into the tour and where it's been and where you're going um so that was really interesting mm-hmm. so here's Kumar
3: Well, uh, my name's Kumar, I'm Emily Sandé's tour and production manager and uh, we are doing a show at the Oxford New Theatre today. Um, So we started the tour in Amsterdam on the 29th of October, which feels like years ago. (laughs) Um, And we've been all over the place, Amsterdam, Oslo, Copenhagen, Stockholm, Berlin, Dusseldorf, Paris, Brussels, Frankfurt, Luxembourg... Stoke-on-Trent, yeah, that's when we hit the UK, we went big in Stoke. Um, then we went to Liverpool, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Manchester, Cardiff, Bath... London, London Apollo, that was a great gig actually, really enjoyed that. Um, Cambridge, Ipswich, Leicester, Birmingham, Portsmouth, Brighton, South End on Sea and here we are in Oxford and we only have Nottingham, Newcastle and Hull to go, so we're very near the end. Yes, so my company is called Fruit Pie Music um, and I've uh, worked with Bloom and Associates and in particular Pod for well, decades now, actually. It's been a very long time. We go back a very long way. We've worked on many different things over the years, um, a huge variety of different projects, in fact. And um, uh, I always end up calling Pod and um, racking his brains on my, uh, my mad ideas. And somehow we always seem to come up with something um, to fit the bill, as it were, Uh, for whatever the project is, and um, yeah, here we are. Uh, What's slightly different about this show? What's slightly different is that every gig is different to the previous gig, and so when it came to planning the production in terms of both audio, lights, and video, um, and even the stage set, you know, we had to be very modular and mindful of the fact that... um, Some days we'd be in perfect venues where we could do everything we'd planned and it was easy. And on some days we'd walk in and only be able to do a fraction of what we wanted because the room was that much smaller. There were sightline issues, rigging issues, stage size issues. And generally speaking, it's really kept us on our toes. You know, every show has been actually really good. You know, even the ones where we anticipated that it would be really tricky, um, we have managed to fashion a replication of the show that we envisaged very close to the form that we wanted to. So I'm, I'm really pleased. I'm, I'm exceptionally proud. Um, that we've ach- achieved something that's actually technically pretty complicated to do. Yeah, so so the Oxford New Theatre um, is quite unique uh, in that it's it's as deep as it is wide. In fact, it's probably deeper than it is wide, which which means that, you know, it goes quite a long way back. The problem with that is that because the auditorium goes up very, very high, the people at the very top, when they look down... They see the cross arch before they see the back of the stage. Much of the design of the show I did in conjunction with um, Chris Richardson, who's the lighting designer and director. And we came up with a vision. We came up with the ideas of how to set things up from a budgetary point of view and from a space point of view and from a modular point of view. You know, as I said earlier on, we had to come up with a, um, a solution that was ultimately changeable, but able to create the same effect. Um, and that all combines extremely nicely with the video side of things. In fact, I've combined lighting and video into one team because I consider the, um, the video element of our show as part of the lighting um, because... Uh, the way we use the screen and the projector. We use something called Notch. We use Notch as a contextual tool to assist the lighting in that it it creates swathes of light that complement the lighting rig and really help with the mood of that particular song. There's nothing very specific. It's quite generic, but we find that that is actually really helpful because we have to have such a modular show if we had specific very specific content it wouldn't really work uh, and it works extremely well um, with the setup that we have
0: i was fortunate to go and see the show but for anyone who hasn't seen the show how would you describe it
2: well emily made a emily Sando, not a first name basis but Emily described the whole concept as she wanted it to be primarily about the music. So I think if I was to summarise it, is it's a full productive service that rather than creates a show, complements her personal show, if that kind of makes sense. Where she was really dedicated to being like, no, everything has to complement this message that I'm giving out in my songs. Nothing's its own thing. Everything feeds into this one one singular point so there's like you know there's no sort of the troops coming out or anything like that it's just a very nice uh quite i think back to basics but complementing itself with newer technologies and that that works well with this sort of traditional theater tour vibe it's quite nice it's quite wholesome i think with this but with a jet of energy
0: yeah something i really noticed when i was there that the uh, the design that you've done is really suited to watching it in a theater because it almost feels quite scenic yeah it sets the tone from the varying themes of all her songs in the set list mm. so it really suits the venues um as well as the songs so it's, it was really supportive in that sense.
1: did you enjoy it
0: yeah I really is, enjoyed i mean it. Are you is
1: that kind of your are you into that kind of music kind of solely gospel
0: I actually don't listen to a lot of pop, as you might have gathered. I probably listen to more Aphex Twin. Um, so... Ah, you're a tech head, okay. <laughs> so, but uh, I actually, Kumar gave me two tickets to go. And by chance, my friend who lives in Oxford, who is loves gospel, Loves Emily Sunday, came with me, Alfie, and he sung the whole way through. He like almost cried oh, at great. the end. It was the best night he'd had in ages. Oh, wow. So it was a real treat to be able to go with him and enjoy the show with someone who was a real fan.
1: I think it makes, if you're going to see a gig and you, you if you're kind of slightly indifferent, or non committal, but you're going with someone who absolutely loves it, mm. it makes a massive difference to your experience. Really, you yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. That worked out well. Yeah,
0: no, no. <laughs> it was really nice. It was a really fun evening. And um, it, she also is like quite inspirational in when she talks to the audience and kind of come away feeling really good about everything at the end of it. So, yeah.
1: Great. So, have you um, put Emily Sanday? On your kind of um, uh, Spotify playlist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, So I'd love to know a bit more about your inspiration behind the content for this show. So where did you where did you start off?
2: Uh, So for the uh, for the initial one, it was uh, it was very simple uh, because they gave us they came at us with a brief and design (laughs) that they wanted, (laughs) and they said orange,
1: and that was it. That was it. Okay. That well, was it. Well, I mean, I think I, when I told <laughs> Kyle, he said, is that all? And I went back Kumar and said, can you give me any more? And he said, no, mate, that's it. Orange. orange. That's what they want. <laughs> so yeah.
2: So a little bit of independent research, a couple of like, uh, interviews looking at, and, uh, I found that she kind of had this, uh, sort of African kind of theme going through everything, very gospely, uh, and orange, so I was like, okay, so like plateau sunset kind of imagery is like going to be key here. A lot of like movement. So that was the initial one at Sadler's Wells. And then, and that all went really well. She was really happy with it. Uh, she looked over each look herself, which was really cool to work with her. Uh, and then for this tour, they came back to us. And I was like, okay. we've actually got got some briefs for you now. So, yeah, it was a range of old jazz film references and, like, media of Motown styles running through it all. So I'd look into all of that and take into imagery. So there's a lot of, like, standalone spotlights, sort of similar with that jazz concept, and a lot of smoke, kind of that jazzy nightclub kind of vibe with a lot of kind of depth of field kind of effect. And I kept that orange look as sort of a uh, a rooted theme, so it all kind of fit together because it was all similar color palettes and stuff. Because otherwise, it'd go from smoky jazz nightclub and then another one's Motown car wash, and so that's not. <laughs> I can't think of easier ways to transition between two such a, kind of contrasting briefs because it's a brief per song as well, Uh and. Yeah, and then that kind of just developed feedback with Kumar and the gang. And yeah.
0: Yeah, I did notice like when I was watching it because some looks are quite different in terms of like colour, some maybe being bright like an orange and then sometimes going to like a darker scene with particles and that kind of thing. And I I noticed quite a smooth transition from one look to the other where I either fade in a little bit. Was that kind of done from your end or was that done mixing live on the night?
2: Uh, That would have been uh, mixing live. They would have been individual looks, but that sort of
1: shows the flexibility of the entire workflow really well, I think.
0: But none of it's rendered, so it's all real-time content. So
1: I think for us, you've just hit on the thing that for us is unique about this project. Unique about this project in terms of any projects that we've done. And as far as I know, but you may be able to correct us, this is the first tour, music tour, that the whole show, it's been notched from start to finish, the whole show is real-time Rendered, re- real time, non rendered, real time generated content using Notch.
0: And why was it important to choose this workflow for this show in particular? What was the driving force behind that?
1: I think it was a few things. One, there's an economic reason, which is to generate approximately two hours of content from scratch would have been quite long, laborious, and quite an expensive process. Two, the fact that Kumar wanted it all to be run by the lighting designer. Live, so that it was completely you, creatively unified, unified operation, um, and we kind of explained what Notch could do. Kumar wasn't aware of, aware of it, but he he bought into the idea, and I think as as Carl uh, was saying, that creatively it worked with what Emily wanted to do. So I think those three things were the reason that it was used. And what was great was that they just they bought into it, and we explained the limitations. You know, obviously every tool has limitations, but we also explained the power, and they bought into and understood how powerful Notch is, and I think that's what made it successful. So they weren't asking us to do things that it couldn't do, they were supporting and encouraging us to do things that it is really good at.
4: My name is Chris and I'm the LD for Emily Sunday. We are backstage at the Oxford New Theatre uh, with Emily Sunday's Real Life Tour. Um, yes, yeah, so we've got a fairly straightforward setup with quite a number of lights, mainly uh, spots and washes and then obviously a very big projection screen uh, to do the visuals, uh, which we use notch for. It's my first time using Notch. Um, I hadn't come across it before, so that's a new experience for me, which is quite good. It's a useful tool for me to have. It allows me to control various attributes, um, some of it quite subtly, what we do in the show, but it's uh, it's nice to have the extra level of control uh, compared to normal content. I'm connected to the media server from my desk, and yes, I control it for each piece of music. So some of the content, um, at a basic level, I can control the speed of the movement on the screen. That's sort of fairly consistent in all the pieces of content. But then we have other attributes, uh, for example, turbulence, which can make the the graphics move a lot more violently, I suppose you would say. So it's quite nice for choruses to actually give more turbulence to it. Uh, I find that's quite a useful one and then some of the pieces you have control of the brightness of some of the light rays and just very tiny things some of it is very subtle but that is quite important in the show some of it needs to be very subtle so it's not necessarily drastic changes but it's nice to have that i think emily's music's very different she's obviously her older stuff she did some dancier songs poppier songs um beneath your beautiful the duet um i quite like that uh, look overall and then some of her newer slower bits as well um the lighting for that is very subtle so the the visuals are kind of more important for it and kind of stand out a bit more so i, I quite like some of the subtler stuff to be honest it's um it's nice where the visuals kind of are the main feature for some of those songs
0: That was lighting designer Chris Richardson backstage at the New Theatre. How big was your team on this production? How many did you have working on it in-house doing the visual design?
1: It's just
2: me.
0: One-man band.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, th- I think there are c- certain projects, like this one, mm. it really benefits from it being one person's baby. And, you, I mean, you start, we started working on this in May for the Sadler's World Showcase. Once that happened, we knew that the tour was going out in in October. So it was one of those things that basically Kyle worked on, on and off, for I'd say three or four months really, didn't you? Yeah, it was a
2: slow chip. For that Sadler's one, it was uh, going back and forth, I think, because the brief was very uh, small. It was that you had to kind of take a step back from it and be like, okay, I need to think of more things I can make with orange. All of the initial looks with Sadler's, some of them were made by your own Harrison Mead as well, because he was operating uh, at the Sadler's Wells function, and he was involved with some last-minute sort of adjustments at the rehearsal studio, and he was awesome to work with.
0: Nice, because you guys went to backstage together. We did, yeah. Backstage bros. Hell yeah. Um, So with those initial looks that you made for the Sadler's Wells, Mm. And when you went to develop them on the tour, were you kind of working off of the projects that you'd created and adapting them? Or were you adding entirely new looks into your deck?
2: Uh, So if she was doing similar songs, or she was doing the same songs, uh, it was kind of a question. And I'm just like, you know, do you want want this? Uh, But if it was a different song, it'd be totally new. Mm -hmm. A totally new design, new
1: look. Because um, Saddlers Wells was really just a showcase for the new album, wasn't it? With yeah. a couple of hits, whereas so I think it was what forty? Was it about forty or fifty minutes? Yeah, Saddlers Wells show. Whereas this is a tour, so it's more like what an hour and hour and a half, hour and a half. And a half. Yeah, Indeed. so just over twenty, twenty songs
0: I think yeah. per set. Okay, so a lot of what you made for the Saddlers Wells, you were able to keep, and then just build on, and, and maybe have a little bit more of a uh, of a detailed brief as to how you'd like to um broaden the look
2: i guess yeah and it was a it was a nice chance to sort to see it live i mean i i'm not sure how many i don't know i didn't expect to get a uh such a nice second sort of chance at it not that i was disappointed with it the first time but being able to sort of retrospectively look at it and go okay how can we are they good or you know is there anything i would change because i've seen them perform with it mm-hmm. and uh I knew that's how she wanted her show to come across as part of the performance, so.
0: Yeah, I know you guys have been to a couple of shows along the road and um, I just wanted to ask what the importance is of attending gigs in different venues and seeing the content not just on a, on a you know, 16.9 computer screen, but seeing it uh, live and in the flesh at a show.
2: Yeah, it was very different. I mean, at the Sadler show, She wasn't understating it with the orange theme. Everything was orange. There were orange drapes, orange lighting. All of the projection content was orange. I think she was in an orange dress. Uh.
1: It's
0: quite an addictive colour. I had a phase where I dyed all my clothes orange. Um, Oh, really? (laughs)
1: Was that for religious reasons?
0: No, no. I I just really, really liked orange for a little bit. Yeah, maybe brainwashed by not just something but i've seen emily sandy has got the bug it's quite a happy color
2: it is it's uh, i think it fits her vibe really well that's yeah it's a good it's a str- strong color strong palette i
1: guess <laughs> but yeah to answer your question it's really really important to see things live it's, i mean and visuals especially how they translate from small to big scale is such a big thing and how speed and motion translates from small mm-hmm. to big is really really important i think it's very important designer is mindful of that.
0: How are you able to pre visualize a look before You just go
1: like this, you just sit really close to the screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just for it's not just for rock and roll gigs, for all gigs. Scale is a massive thing, how how stuff translates from small to big and it's a it's a, it's um a challenge that a lot of designers when they're designing motion graphics for they're used to designing for for T V or Phone apps, when they're suddenly doing something that's being projected on massive screens or onto big objects or buildings, it's something that comes with experience of understanding how that translates, because if it's moving across your screen in one second and your screen is two foot wide or half a metre wide, and then moving across a building that's 50 metres wide in half a second, it's not going to translate at all.
0: Yeah, the motions of motion graphics. Yeah. And uh, for this production, is there anyone you'd like to take the opportunity to give a shout-out to? I mean,
2: Harrison. From what I can think, yeah, Har- Harrison was uh, very helpful.
1: I mean, I'd definitely like to thank Kumar and Chris for just trusting us, understanding the concept of what we were trying to do. They were both prepared to do something that they hadn't done before. Kumar, just in terms of trusting us that we could generate the content and that, that, that the artist... And- Everyone, and management, who are obviously very important because they're paying the bills, would like it. Chris trusting us that we'd be able to program the interface for him to enable him to con- to control it and trigger it, that it wouldn't be too complicated, that it would all work. And I think that you know, every time you, whenever you try and do something new, it's all very well having the theory, but you need people to trust you that they, you can actually put it into practice and and deliver it. And they did. And so I think for us, that's 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 the very important part of the relationship.
0: So um, what's next for the production for Emily Sunday Real Life?
1: I've got no idea. <laughs> I mean, we'd love to be doing some more stuff. Maybe she'll go to Europe. Maybe she'll go to the States. I, I don't know. I mean, we'd love to be involved if, sh- if she does. Mm. I think this tour's been quite successful. Yeah, I think, I
2: think it's, uh, there's only
1: really room for
2: more production integration, to be honest. I mean, I'd love to take it down an audio-reactive route as well as the LD control. Because I think that really, I don't know, flesh out the, uh, those spaces in between him controlling it. There's always some kind of gel then mm. if it's reacting to everything.
0: What's quite interesting about some of your looks is they did feel audio reactive at, at some points. Yeah, like it's kind of of those ones where you have to have a little look. Like, Did they just <laughs> they just switch something on there? Like, no. Okay, cool. And um, so I guess now we're going to go on to just a couple of broader closing questions. Podcast what advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: what advice would I
1: give myself?
0: Yeah, if you could give yourself some advice on the industry 10 years ago, what advice would you give yourself?
1: Uh, What's that word you say? Invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that I was a bit reluctant to embrace creative opportunities. So I think it's about when you do get the opportunity to do creative stuff, to embrace it and and go for it, and not be not be scared to put put your ideas out there. I think that's for me that's the that's the big thing. And if people don't like them, they don't like them, doesn't mean they're not good.
0: Not be worried about having your um, ideas shot down, I guess. Or just... Well, I
1: think generally people are nice. Uh, it's not about it's not necessarily about them being shot down, but it's just if they people don't like them, it's okay. Uh, keep on at it. For eventually, you'll find someone to like it. Not taking yourself I mean, too seriously. Yeah, I think I- exactly. I mean, you only got to look at artists like, a- so, you know, someone like Aphex Twin, for example. His music is really fucking weird, but there are some people who really, really like it, and he has these absolutely devoted fans. I mean, it's the same with pe- bands like Craftwork. No one's going to sit down and listen to a Craftwork album because it's, it's a bit weird and jarring, but nevertheless, it's incredibly influential, and, you know, you just have to keep on going, don't you, with ideas see what happens Some, someone's going to like it eventually
0: <laughs> <laughs> and um, what excites you right now in terms of like what do you think is going to be the next projection mapping
1: i, I don't for me it's not tech, it's not technology per se it's about how people use stuff and it's about f- the fusion and collaboration of depart of departments how light lighting video sound lasers and all the tracking and mapping and stuff or they combine but you ultimately have to have an art an artist or an idea or a brand to work with that that's inspiring and then come coming up with with ultimately with a story or a narrative that binds it all together which then gives you an opportunity or a vehicle to use combinations of technology to help tell a story because ultimately we're in the game of entertainment theater it's all about storytelling and technology itself doesn't tell a story it's about how you use it to to inform a narrative
0: and i think as technology is becoming broader that artists and technologists are maybe becoming more generalist in in their capabilities in terms of someone who you know i mean i feel like kyle even with your lighting background and then now moving into animation like that's almost what i like to call like multi-hyphenate i feel like quite a lot of Job roles now are becoming more multi-hyphenate in that you know you film but you do the audio as well or you you know you mm-hmm. self-shooter and you shoot and edit and grade and that kind of thing just because of maybe ease of use of tools maybe because um, ease of affordability or
1: well yeah I mean I think it, I think that it's imp- I think that you can't afford to be too departmentalized in terms of what you understand but for 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 us I think. We we're, we're we're very niche in terms of what we do here at Bloomin. And I wanna stay very niche, but that doesn't mean not understanding what other departments do and being able to to seed into them and feed into them. We don't wanna be a laser company, but we wanna be able to talk to lasers, if that makes sense.
0: Um, how about you, Carl? What's is something interesting you at the moment?
2: Uh interesting me. At the moment it's seeing what I can get to talk to what is really interesting. I mean, sort of the, uh, the the driver that comes up every now and again is seeing all the crazy stuff like Berta will come out with on the Notch site or his own AR Facebook page and it's just like that actually works and then you start thinking I mean you know it's all scalable so you can put anything in anywhere and it does like a different thing or depending on what you do and to me that really fascinates me it's just like what what could come out next and then it's what already talks to, say, Notch, but people haven't figured out that it can talk to Notch, which is really exciting.
0: So I guess I, I, have a, I, have, I have two more questions for you. One, at the risk of maybe sounding a little bit repetitive, but I feel like it is slightly different, is um, where do you think the industry is heading?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, for, I don't know where it's heading, but the parts that I'm interested in is, one is convergence of technologies, and different, as like I was saying, different stuff, talking to different stuff and real time. I think we've, we've invested a lot of thought, money, time, energy, and commitment into the whole, the whole process of real time content generation. I think that, that, that's, that's really, really exciting. And we're, so we're very committed to it. So I'm hoping, and I I think it will carry, just carry on growing. The The biggest hurdle is people understanding it, understanding how how much of a paradigm shift it is away from pre-rendered content and embracing the stuff that it can do, and I think for for us, we're in a constant process of of trying to advocate what real-time content generation can do.
0: And uh, Carl, for 2020, what do you think is going to be like a, a big change or, or a, a hot thing for animation?
2: A hot thing for animation. Uh... Well, I reckon, I mean, in terms of notch, I think people are going to be pushing this ray tracing uh, business to the absolute max or pass tracing. Uh, and I think it's going to be who can figure out the cleverest way to get the best result, the easiest. Uh, so, I don't know, gigabytes of baked textures and gorgeous scenes, uh, maybe. <laughs> I <don't know.
0: laughs> And um, what advice could you guys give to someone hoping to get into show design for performing artists?
1: Well, not, not, not specifically.
0: Um, no, just generally anyone looking to get into the industry and start making digital stage design for yeah, live touring acts like Emily Sandé. Uh,
2: I'd probably say put everything on as much platform or as many platforms as you can and don't give up. If your stuff's good, it'll stick. It's just waiting for somebody to notice it first. And that's really the trick. It sucks that there isn't just uh, post your best animation here and we'll match you. But uh, yeah, it's just put as much of your stuff out there. I mean, and
1: somebody will pick it up if it's good. You just got to have faith in what you're making is good, I think. Yeah, I agree with Carl. I think, I think a lot of it is about body of work, taking the opportunities when something comes up. Getting work, getting work done, building your, building your portfolio of both the work that you've done, but also the experience, and taking, the, taking the opportunities when they arise. Until
0: they uh, invent Tinder for motion graphics, uh, just keep sharing.
1: Yeah, and if you want to send stuff through to us for, for us to have a look at, feel free. Any budding notch, notch designers out there?
0: Well, guys, I'm really grateful to have been welcomed into your very cool office space this afternoon and really appreciate you guys spending some time to tell me about your workflow and the emily Sunday tour so yeah thank you so much
1: oh you're more than welcome <clears throat> thanks very much kat it's been a pleasure
0: Till next time want to find out more about bloom and associates then head over to their website bloomandassociates.com or follow them on Instagram at bloomin__associates and on Twitter at Blumen associate. Check out the written showcase on our website, notch.one. It's been great speaking with all of our guests for the first season of Notch Showcast, and thank you to everyone listening to the show. We will be back later in the year with an exciting lineup of guest speakers. For now, you can keep up to date with what the community's been up to over Instagram using the hashtag madewithnotch. I'll catch you for season two.